Yeah, this is the Finnish Football Show. Thanks for joining us again for another edition of the uh, of the show for the next podcast, FFS Ten. I'm Mark Wiltshire from Escape. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Mark Wiltshire from Explore Finland. I'm also joined by my regular co-host, it's Rich there from Escape to Suomi. Hi, Rich. Hello. Hello. And Mark from <laughs> and Mark from FC Suomi. Hello. Hi, Mark. How you doing? Great. And uh, we're also joined by, we also see the return of a friend of the show, Keke Mulleri. Hey, Keke. Hello, hello. How are you doing? Keke. Very well, very well. Thank you. Glad to be here. So here we, here we are. We're broadcasting this again on uh, Google Hangouts and connecting through YouTube. So it's live streaming on YouTube. So anyone that's uh, there watching or, or joining us to, for the show, then uh, you're welcome. What will happen when we speak is that whoever's speaking, their their picture will show on the screen. So uh, if the four of us that are actually presenting this thing can try not to interrupt or, or all talk at the same time, that would be a good thing. Rich, you just scratched your head and that took the control of the show over to you. Oh, lovely. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess let's start the show the way we always start the show. Rich, you had a poll today on Twitter to see what shirt you should wear. What shirt are you wearing today, Rich? Um, well, with uh, from 289 votes, the Finland shirt won with 44% of the vote. And this was the first one that I could find in my big box of football shirts, which was for the uh, Euro 2012 qualifying campaign. And it was actually the first Finland shirt I had. Also known so, as the cow shirt because of the sort of yeah, weird patch a, in the top shoulder. It's a little bit Frisian. Um, but um, yeah, this was probably my favourite one of recent times because it actually has something other than just plain white. I like the stripe. You know the old the, the, the one from the last qualification campaign that had the yeah. blue stripe down it? I thought that was, was kind of cool. It was great. It's just a shame when it being a Nike template, um, yeah. half, half the teams in the Ryman Premier Division also had that shirt. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this obviously has been a very active period for the Finnish football show. This is our second show in two weeks and we're going to try and get another one done in two weeks' time, but there's lots of Finnish football going on at the moment. So in episode 10, we decided we're going to focus just on the recent international games. The previous episode was pretty much just Bakehouse Liga, and the next episode will be pretty much just Bakehouse Liga. Uh, but today we're going to look at the, the two recent World Cup qualifiers between Iceland and Croatia. We're going to dissect some of the events that went on on the pitch, and, uh, and we actually had a couple of people at the stadium at both of these games and they're going to give us their perspective from the stands um that's right mark you were in uh, you were in tampere i was in tampere beautiful beautiful place and keke you were in reykjavik uh i'm sure you've got lots of memories that you're going to bring to the uh, to the party today yes i was in reykjavik mark um, there are one or two hazy memories so um yeah <laughs> true to form I'll, I'll share those with you so this is part two of Keke tries to remember a football match that he's attended, which is perfect. Which is perfect. Um, those that will, will notice that this week we were only 10 minutes late starting the show, so we had far fewer technical difficulties than we normally have. Um, and we're here, we're live, we're ready to go. So the podcast will be coming out in a few days' time. But those that are listening live, we want your input. Um, there should be a message box at the side of the uh, the screen where you're watching this on YouTube. So ask your questions in there and we'll um, we'll keep an eye on there and try and answer your questions as we go along. Or if you want to use Twitter, use the hashtag FFS10 um, and Rich and Mark are keeping an eye on Twitter. Uh, and of course, if you're listening to the podcast and you have some comments, you want to uh, you want to speak, reach out to us, then use the same hashtag um, or you can contact us directly. I'm at, at Explore Finland. Mark is at FC Suomi, and Rich is at Escape to Suomi. So, final reminder, as ever, no F-bombs, Rich, no noisy biscuits, and let's get on with the uh, the next part of the Finnish football show, which, as normal, will be recent news. Mark, you want to talk Polish football, which is strange for the Finnish football show. What's going on over there? Um, I mean, you know, it's... It's good. So I, I, I did want to talk about about Kasper Hamelin and, and, and Polish uh, and, and Legia Warsaw, who were who were down to twelfth in the in the extra class. 
but also actually last night in the in the Swedish league, uh, I think it's it's probably a good idea now to to give a, a kind of shout out to to Simon Scrab, who bagged his seventh goal of the season for uh, for Gelfe when they drew three three. He's a young, uh, he's twenty one. Uh, he plays for the he's played for the Pico Hukajat before, and in terms of like. Finland's attacking threat and, and and players who should be basically next in line for for participation in the national team. He's definitely kind of top top of the list. He's banging goals in. Uh, his movement's really good, and um, he's uh, Gelfe or they're battling relegation at the minute. But with uh, Scrap up front, they're going to do pretty well. Or or they look they're looking like they might just avoid the drop in Osvenska. Uh, so. That and Cap is in action in like a, about an, about forty minutes after the after the podcast. Uh, Lazio Warsaw go to Real Madrid, so that was the. I managed to bookend my news piece around the <laughs> around done, Simon Scrap every single every single week. He tells I mean, me what his news story is going to be, and then hits us with the breaking news. No, but you, I mean, well, he scored yesterday. He scored last night, you know. So it's a good goal as well. So, and he's a he's a he's a hell of a young player. Well, I've got I've got a, a new topic that I'm going to get you talking about shortly, Mark. So we'll come back to you. But but Rich, how about a bit of a a, a short update on what's been going on in the in the domestic league, Veikkaus uh, Liga, Ukkonen and Kakkonen. Yeah, well, um, I'll start from the bottom. <clears throat> the um, Kakkonen playoffs finished at the weekend, and uh, Nistan and Honka were promoted from Kakkonen and will go into Ukkonen next season. Although Honka defeated Ops, who have appealed. Um, I haven't quite read into it yet, but it's something to do if they've named far too many players on their team sheet. Something very trivial. Um, in Ukkonen on Saturday, uh, JJK came from two down at Hacker to win their game 4-2. Uh, TPS Bay AC Olu. And uh, that means that they are the two teams that will be in contention on the final day. JJK host Olu, TPS host Ekinus. And... Um, the winner goes straight into Veikaus Liga. The runner-up plays whoever comes 11th from Veikaus Liga. At the moment, if things stay as they are, it will be a Turku derby, which will be brilliant in some ways and awful in others because it could be overhyped to crazy, crazy times. Um, it's also not going to happen. Well, we shall see as, uh, as it stands anyway. Okay. Um, in Ve- in Veikaus Liga at the bottom, uh, PK35 are long gone. They haven't won in 19 games. Um, but the final day, there's three teams that could play in that playoff. Uh, Inter are on 32 points, but they're away to PK35, which is um, about as good as an away banker. Um, Hifki are away to Rops. They're on 33 points. And Kemi are away to Coops. Um Kemi, who would be on 32 points had it not been for their fortuitous first day of the season win over SJK, thanks to some dodgy paperwork. Um, but at the top of the table, uh, Mariham on 58 points, they just need to beat Ilves at home on Sunday to win the league title. It'll be the first time in their history. Uh, the odds on them are 1.3. They've got a goal difference of 14, and all they need to do is beat Ilves which is easier said than done. In the other game, Hoiko host Asiko. Um, win for either team. They have to win um, and rely on Ilves helping them out. Um, both games kick off at the same time, one o'clock on Sunday, and it's going to be pretty tense. Well, that's one o'clock UK time, Rich. It's oh, three o'clock. Yeah, so three three o'clock, o'clock over here. here. My, my Tradition, traditional um, three o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so nervous, nervous times for the hosts of the Finnish football show then, because clearly I've got my Asikor badge on, as I normally do have, and uh, Keke, your your team is uh, Yiyikor. Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, Saturday, I was uh, I was coming home from um, from me and Rich actually meeting each other in uh, human world and um, checking the checking the scores on my phone, and um, after after eight or nine minutes, Yiyikor two nil down. All my pals are there, obviously, um, cheering the side on. And somehow, with their support, we managed to turn it round and come away with a win. So, um, stay top of the league and uh, look forward to the weekend now. Yeah, good good luck. Good luck to you and Yiyiko. Um, Ashiko, 
well, three the, the points dropped at the start of the season, and you might argue two points dropped against last year, last uh, last Friday could could undo them. It's still open. It's still positive possible, but it's so tight. I wouldn't I wouldn't call it. I, I'm not even going to put five euros on it. Eight eight to eight to one. I think that's still that's still a, a bit of a chance. Um, Mark, my news story is something I don't know that much about, but I'm kind of intrigued about it. And I'm going to throw it over to you because uh, you mentioned it the other day. But it was about this interview with Perti Alaya, uh, the head of the Pallolito. Uh, there was an interview and then there was a big announcement. What, what was the what was the deal there? Yeah, so I mean, um, uh, so so Perti agreed uh, to give an interview to Ilta Sanamat and Ilta Sanamat ran with this big sort of story that, that they were going to ask him all the tough questions and and uh, like hold him to account for 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 what's been going on with the national team. Which, by the way, there's another kind of breaking sort of breaking news stories, which is that the Boffins that are friends with with Rich have had their big calculators out, and it looks like in the next announced FIFA rankings, Finland are going to drop to 101 which will be the first time in the in the history of rankings that they've gone outside the top 100. It'll be the lowest place they've ever scored, which will officially make us sort of the worst incarnation of Finland, Finland's national team, like pretty much ever, with the worst manager in Finland's history ever. So they... There, there was a there was a lot of rumours when 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 Berti agreed to take the um, to take the interview, and there was a lot of uh, Footy's forum went a bit nuts, and uh, there was some some rumours in and around Babo uh, Nurmentia in in Helsinki that this would be like a, a pretty big announcement, and that there was some sort of hope that not maybe that Ale, that uh, that Bakke would go, but that probably Alia might have uh, had enough, because also uh, after the uh, Croatia defeat. He, they, Ule, Ule and uh, ESTV tried to get interviews with with Alaya, but uh, they couldn't get a hold of him for like for like four days. And his excuse was that he was on a tour of the country, uh, like visiting the local uh, the, the, the local associations, and he just didn't have his phone on, which is like pretty spurious. But anyway, the content of the interview was, I mean, was shocking. So it was. He said basically that you know he's a bit dis- he's disappointed. But that Bakke has brought with him new perspectives and new analytical techniques, um, and and that you know there was some glimmer of hope. And you just think that what like how on earth is that a defence for for a national team manager? I mean, of course you've got new analytical bloody techniques if you've not won a game or if you're playing seven guys in defence. There's a hell of a lot of footage to look at because we're not playing, we're not actually playing football. We're running extended training sessions, so. It was just, it was, I mean, at the end of the day, it was much ado about nothing, but, but more, more kind of troubling was, was that, uh, Ilta Sanamad, uh, and the guy Sundalin who was asking the questions didn't, didn't hold him, didn't push him. Like he barely read from a, from a sheet of paper in front of him. He had his things. He said, you know, we've got more registered footballers in Finland today than we had a year ago. And that's been growing since, you know, 2003 or whatever. And he just read sort of like pre-done statements and there was no push and there was no, uh, accountability at all. He basically just said, "Are you happy with Baka?" And he said, "Yes, I'm happy with Baka." And then they moved on. And it's just, it, it it just feels like everybody's asleep at the wheel. You know what I mean? At the Balalito, this is the worst. This is that. He's, Hans Baka is the worst manager officially uh, that's ever been in charge of Finland. And this is the worst we've ever ranked in in world football. We. This is like it's like I don't know. It's infuriating because. Because it, it like it just had the the goal to sort of sit and give straight, straight bat answers and say yeah it's fine that and Baka himself gave an interview in in uh, I think it was on UEFA.com last week that said that he was asked to take the role of Finland manager which means that Berti did the stupid thing of putting the national team manager's job on Mole Beast fee and asking people to apply which is horrifically like pointless for a national team manager and then anyway went and asked his best mate from bloody Sweden to go and take over like I mean it just ah, the guy like I cannot understand that and this is his second term and he ran unopposed I cannot understand for the life of me how this guy is in charge of the national team and how there isn't like an absolute wave of rage throughout the Finnish football community and and and, and how he can stay in post it it honestly it makes me mad 
I knew that if I asked this question, just rolled in the grenade and <laughs> back holding my ears, that that was what was going to happen. That was beautiful. I, 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 I like it. I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm holding back for the for the Croatia review. <laughs> there's more. There's more. I've just I've just temper. I've just just I'm, you know I'm going to spread it out. <laughs> we we got time, but it, I mean it's but it is. I mean it's just a, it's a terrible situation. I reckon that that's probably a good place to just cool off on the news. Um, the Croatia game comes up a little bit later, but how about if we now? Take a breath. Let it mark. Take a breath and have a have a have a drink, and uh, move on to to talk about the international games. Um, and first one up was Finland away in Iceland, and our roving reporter Keke was there at the game. Um, had a nice long weekend of it by the by the looks of uh, social media, Keke. Um, take us through your trip, and I guess you better start with boarding the plane because that's where your memories are going to be at their clearest and then just take us through the week the weekend as much as you want to up to the end of the game if you like hold on i have a question okay, okay. what's your beverage at the moment my beverage at the moment i've um i've actually saved this one for you lads this is a uh, a, a nine quid can of lager from Iceland. <laughs> oh, yeah. Go, it, very very refreshing but um <laughs> We, uh, myself and, and the other Finland fans, nicknamed it Gulli while we were there in Iceland. So, um, yeah, wow, lots of uh, lots Famili- of nice cold Gulli. Is that a familiar taste? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. There we go. There's, there's we the go. there's the beverage. Well, I, I'm, you know, I want to make sure that the the memories come back with the uh, the same the same you know. It's clarity. clarity yeah, exactly. that's, that's what I'm worried about. There we go. So I'll, um, I'll I'll join you. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the um, I mean we did we did make a nice long weekend of it. Um, we arrived on the uh, on the on the Wednesday, um, much later than some people. There was uh, there was quite a few uh, quite a few Finland fans who had been out there for you know a good few days before the game and um, sampled what what the Reykjavik and the surrounding area has to offer. But um, we arrived on the Wednesday checked ourselves into a wonderful hotel and then uh, promptly woke up Thursday morning and um, tried to find the, uh, the, the best local bar. Um, the, uh, most, of, most of the Finland fans, I mean, Reykjavik's a, a, obviously a relatively small city, so um, there's, a, there's a main street that's littered with bars and restaurants and um, the, uh, as reliable as ever, the Finland fans had found um, the best, uh, best happy hour places so that we weren't quite stretching to the the nine quid a, a can or nine quid a pint. And um, yeah, we managed to even get some for only seven quid. So that was quite a, uh-huh. yeah, that was a, a bargain. But um, so yeah, when uh, Thursday, Thursday, we were just cruising around the city and um, it was, it was fantastic because uh, obviously we, we, it had been, it had been talked about that there was a lot of Finland fans going. I mean, um, when, when I first got my tickets, I, I was hearing numbers of sort of, three, four hundred plus. And then um, obviously that kept going. More tickets were released for sale. And um, and yeah, I think in the end there was there was over nine hundred of us there. So um, walking around nice walking around Reykjavik on uh, on on Thursday morning and afternoon throughout the day, you just heard fins everywhere, saw blue and white scarves everywhere. It was um, it was really, really enlightening, you know, to see uh, after the um, after my trip to Verona, when there was about 20 or 30 of us in the, in the crowd, mm-hmm. it was, um, obviously this was a much more meaningful game, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was really refreshing to see that a lot of people have made the trip. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we, we sampled what Reykjavik had to offer on, uh, on the Thursday and then, um, oh, must've been about five, five, half five. We, um, we went back down to the main street and, uh, all the SMU core guys and all the rest of the fans were there, and we um, made our congregated and made our slow march along to the stadium, um, right through the city centre. Uh, all the um, obviously Iceland are um, they're right into their football these days, but it was still quite a spectacle for them to see uh, so many of us with flags and scarves and um, carrier bags full of uh, yeah cans of lager and all sorts of other stuff walking along their main city street um, in good voice, singing at the top of our voices. So, um, yeah, there was people out there 
waving their phones and filming and taking pictures. So um, we wandered along. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure the, the SMU core guys realised it was going to be um, a 45 minute walk to the stadium or march. But um, but yeah, <laughs> with uh, with the um, inevitable breaks for uh, supermarkets and um, weeing in bushes, we uh, it took about 45 minutes to uh, to get there, which um, amused the police escort. We had a we had a couple of um, police motorcycle outriders with us, so um, just making sure things didn't get too out of hand. But um, yeah, we made our way to the stadium. Um, beautiful little stadium, really. Uh, not much happening behind the goals, but um, yeah, the, the two sides, um, pretty decent. Um, got in there. We, we congregated again just outside before we went into the away section and um, made sure that we had another big sing-song there. So, um, so the Iceland fans really knew we'd turned up. And um, yeah, made our way to the, um, to the rather large away section. Um, Plenty of people had their flags, so they was um, sticking them over the wall and uh, to let the guys know that we were uh, well represented. Um, bit of a, I don't know if you could call it a local derby, really, but um, you know, Iceland's certainly up that way, so a bit of a Nordic derby, I suppose you could call it. But um, yeah, we were we were well well represented, so uh, kicked off, and uh, I didn't think I didn't think we we looked too bad, you know. I mean. Um, I was I was really really pleased to see uh, Sauli Sauli Vaisanen in there. I mean, yeah. I, I thought and, and I, I really thought he was one of the. Um, I mean, I know he, he gave away the penalty, but I thought he was one of the standout players. You know, he um, he was definitely involved in the build up to one of the goals, yeah. and um, he's playing regularly in Sweden. So, 22 years old, I, I think that's that's sort of a positive we can take from it. He um, he, I, I think he had a good game, but um, it was. Wasn't quite end-to-end stuff, but obviously, uh, you know, Finland scored a couple of goals and um, uh, Iceland obviously equalised. But then, then we we got back on top. And even though, you know, we're sort of what was it, 65, 70 minutes on the clock, the fingernails are wearing down, and you're uh, you're sort of thinking, can we, can we, can we hold on to this? But um, we all know what happened, and uh, yeah, it wasn't wasn't quite to be. That first. Well, for those those that didn't see the those that didn't see the game, um, let's let's describe what happened. Um, maybe I, I think you're going to have plenty to say on this, Mark. But Rich, why don't you just tell tell people what did happen at the end of the game? Well, um, say so Finland were two one up going into the 90th minute, and um, it was just crazy, really. The implosion. I mean, Finland had been, it's something you can say, and I've said it before about controlling a game and it was a game management is the way, but if you're winning 2-1 away from home, they'd spent most of the second half on the back foot. Iceland obviously, you know, looking to pressure and get some points, but, you know, everyone's focused on the third goal because the second goal went in, I think it was, I think it was in the 90th minute anyway. Um, There'd been four minutes of added time. And then the third goal, which went in in the sixth minute of added time, because the four minutes being a minimum, it was, um, you know, it was all the, had it crossed the line, had it been kicked out of Fredetsky's hands, um, probably. But um, but ultimately, they they allowed it to happen and they sat there because they were in that state where they don't know under backer, you know, how many times have they been leading in a game? You know, they were leading Kosovo for a bit and that was about it. Um, but ultimately, they gave away two goals in injury time. Uh, the second goal really deflated and gave Iceland the boost. And the third goal, yes, it was an absolute shambles and a mess. And Hodetsky had his hands on the ball, but you know all the. He had one the... one hand on the ball, though, Rich. Do we do we think that? What, what, um, apparently, what, the, what, how the rules work. Yeah. There? The rules say if if he's got one hand on the ball and the, and the ball's on the ground, then it's in his control. Um, so I read also somewhere somebody said that unless the goalkeeper has just made a save, yeah. So if the goalkeeper's made a save, then the ball isn't under his control if he's just got one hand on top of the ball on the ground. Yeah. So this is it. Even we, you know, two weeks later can't decide. And all the, all the, yeah. all the yeah. guys on Twitter the next day were all these different camera angles and everything else. Ultimately, you know, yeah, it's a shambles, but. You know, and Moisander chasing the ref, grabbing him by the neck, and awesome. you know how he didn't get sent off for that was fantastic. Um, 
They, they yeah. always change their mind, though, if you grab the ref. Well, of course, you know, I mean, if only you grabbed him properly with two hands, he might have turned yeah. around and uh, and ruled it out. But um, but ultimately, it's it, it's a it's a fault of the team and, and the management for not having the strategy and not getting the players set up to defend the lead because it's such an unusual thing. Um, and it's not a surprise that after getting the second goal, Iceland went up, bombarded the goal and eventually managed to bundle it over the line. I mean, the, that's um, what actually happened by the end of the game. Um, sorry, Keke, you, you were gonna, you were gonna say. Yeah, I just wanted to say that it was, um, as you can expect, it was, uh, it was around that time that the um, the atmosphere in our end turned a little bit. You know, I mean, um, everyone was. I think there was obviously anger directed at the referee. There was there was a little bit of anger directed at the the Iceland players. I mean, not that you can blame them. They they're desperately trying to win the game, mm. but. Um, but I think there was also there was also anger anger directed to to our own side. You know the the way as Rich has touched on there, the way we're we're two one up in the 89th stroke 90th minute, and we're we're defending a corner like schoolboys. You know it was um, maybe I don't know maybe they thought the game was already over. It was already won. But but yeah, I mean the the way that we'd, we'd had the warnings because the the, the equalising goal was. Was, was pretty 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 soft, you know. So um, we'd had the warnings, but having said that, I mean, um, I, I read what what Mark wrote after the game, and um, and he's absolutely correct when he said, you know, second half it was it sounded like Becker just said, right, just try and soak up forty five stroke fifty minutes of untold pressure, and but we we did, in the second half we did manage um, did manage a couple of breaks. I mean. Uh, Obviously, being a Yee Yee Core fan, I, I always get double excited when Eero then comes onto the pitch. And um, yeah. unfortunately for him, he, he he only lasted a he only lasted 15 or 20 minutes. He got he got a knock. He tried to run it off, and um, but he was unable to continue. But so he he's one of those strange stats where he comes on as a sub and then a little while later gets subbed off again. But but he had he had a he'd already received the knock, but he had a he had a flash chance in the second half. Um, could have made it three-one, and I think obviously it's much harder for them to get back from that. But um, it was just a flash shot that, that sort of flew over. But um, about thirty yards out, roughly. Yeah, but I think you know, even obviously for us who were there in Reykjavik, to come away with that win would have been fantastic. Fantastic for the trip, for the atmosphere. I mean, um, but I do have to say, I think it would have papered over the cracks. You know, um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, just to, you know. I thought, like like Mark was saying, that this announcement that was coming up would maybe be the end of Baka or the end of Ayala, and um, both of them are hanging on. And it, it just, for me, if we'd have won that game, that would have been the reason for them to hang on. But as it stands, we went and lost it, and they're, they're still hanging on. So it's, um, it's a bit of a <laughs> bit of a strange one. But um, but yeah, I mean, as I said, 90, 96th minute, they bundled a goal, they bundled the ball over the line, or boot it out of our keeper's hands and um, it turned a bit then. There was a few uh, a few little plastic whiskey miniature bottles made their way onto the pitch and um, people were getting a little bit upset. I mean, it was nothing serious, but, you know, mm-hmm. it was uh, people obviously showing their frustration. One, um, the uh, the Icelandic police trotted round to our section and were vigorously shaking their, um, their pepper spray bottles to sort of warn us to sort of calm down. Um, one poor chap did... Uh, did manage to get so irate that they dragged him out and give him a bit of a talking to behind the bike shed. But uh, I don't think I don't think they got the cuffs on him. He was just sort of ticked off and said, "Come on, don't be silly." But um, but yeah, it was. Uh... I think I think Mark. Uh, thank sorry, Keke. No, thanks, thanks. I was going to say, Mark. It, it ended quite negatively, but I, especially during the first half, there were there were a few positives, weren't there? That I mean that that first half was the best football I think we've played under Bakke. Um, because Iceland didn't look good. They, they, they didn't look comfortable in possession, and we quite we, we very easily capitalised on that. And some of the passing that we had was quite crisp. Um, Puki's goal was was really really well worked. We'd had it down the left flank, switched it back inside uh, to Arkivoa, who threw in a, like a just a nice, lovely, inviting cross. Puki lost his man uh, like a proper striker and planted a, a, a really good looking finish into the bottom corner. It was. It was a, it was well worked. 
and it was clever football. And then um, they equalised after the their equaliser was Hredetsky missing missing a cross. Um, and then and then actually everybody I think I don't know who got I think it was probably Arayuri who got out jumped at the far post, but there was it was like a tap in. But even after that, we sort of still built the ball, built the play, passed it well, and uh, Robin Lud hit it. Uh, proved like proved that uh, he's getting his regular game time because he had a really sharp shot. He had one shot that was blocked and then it dropped nicely for him and he just smashed it, leathered it into the bottom corner. Um, and everything just at that, at that point, I, th- I thought when you get in at half time, you think if we can keep playing like this, you know, these boys, the, the uh, Iceland won't stand a chance because as long as we pressed and as long as we kept the ball moving and as long as we threatened them enough to keep pushing them back, then they weren't going to be able to rely on set pieces and they weren't going to be, re- be able to rely on, on like long free kicks or corners and whatever. And we, the more, the, the more the game was built in open play, the better a chance we had, because honestly, in that first 45 minutes in open play, we were the better team. And this there was is... real purpose to the attacks, weren't there? Real nice interplay between two or three players as we were breaking forward. It was, it was good to see. It was just, I mean, the, the, the movement was good and, and, they took advantage of 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 uh, Iceland have a, a boxiness about them. You know what I mean? And the, the move the movement was really good. The passing was accurate. Berpa um, Hetemai was was just his return for that game was fantastic to see. And Lud was sort of like he, he drifted around a lot, but predominantly he was sort of like left wing back for a while. And that that really really helped connect the play. So it was just, I mean, it was great. Like all over the place. Um, the 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 equaliser that they got was a bit unlucky because Radetzky misjudged the cross. But I thought, I, like, honestly, I thought, okay, you know, I've been harsh on back here. <laughs> because, like, we drew with Kosovo, and I was thinking at half-time, maybe he was right. Maybe Kosovo were really, like, unpredictable and that we've got a plan and this could work. And then, you know, Croatia smashed Kosovo 6-0, and I thought, well, maybe he's not. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, I mean, that first half, I, I genuinely thought... We could make something of it with a, with a sort of five three two, but in the second half, we just stopped. We absolutely just stopped. Mark Markkanen's shot was the best shot, that, the best chance that we had, and it was adventurous to say the least. It was, I mean, it was a good a good try, and he's a he's a really good player. He's a lot quicker than people give him credit for. Um, but we didn't, apart from that Markkanen shot from thirty yards, in the second half, I, I we didn't we didn't create a chance. And and I mean, 75 minutes. You had Buki and 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 a couple of others heading into the corner and and diving under pressure. And uh, it's, it's the kind of thing you can you can sort of justify if you win it. But uh, but it just it didn't fill you with a lot of confidence because it, it seems like it seemed like to me that back it didn't believe that these players could last 90 minutes. One one other thing I I thought, and it, it's going to sound ironic the way the game ended but we seemed defensively solid let's say for the first hour or so I was quite I was quite impressed that there were some quite defending albeit maybe sort of clearances to 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 protect the goal but it seemed seemed to be quite interesting stuff going on at the back as well Keke's right Sauli Weissen is a proper player and his his debut was going, fant- it was going incredibly well. Like first half again, really good, really composing the ball, strong in the air, uh, well positioned, everything was good. I think, I think was it fifty five minutes that they won the penalty, something like that. It was about ten minutes after half time, and I think after that, he looked a bit shaky, and I think him and and Lud, uh, not Lud, Thomas Lamb, uh, they're both young guys, centre backs, a lot of pressure on them. Um, in, a, in, a, in a system that's designed to soak up a lot of pressure, that was his debut, and I just think, I just think that at that point, after because he conceded the penalty and it was harsh, and then for about five ten minutes, he didn't look, he didn't look as confident when that when when the when the sort of deep when the balls came in deep, and uh, I think there was a, an opportunity to take him off because he didn't, he was very composed, very good, very solid in the first half. Second half, he started to flag a bit and he looked a bit. Not flaky, but he just looked like a guy who was making his debut. And I think a two-one up after about an hour is a good chance to, to take him off and put Lamb on because Lamb as well, 
he he conceded the penalty against Kosovo for 70 odd minutes and he did very well but then started to flag late on and I think it was kind of a, a repetition of the same mistake is that you bring on a fresh legs in the, in, in the, in the middle of defence you bring on somebody like Thomas Lamb stick him on for Weissner sure it up Weissner walks out with his head held high okay he conceded the penalty but we survived that bit um and, and and everybody goes home. So there was there was warning signs all over the place about about how we could have avoided defeat, even even in the sort of mode of back is like habitual non creativity, but but um, but yeah. So I mean, so yeah, you're right. I mean, defensively we looked solid first half. Weizmann was was brilliant, was really really good. But but as a de- like because it's his debut, it, because it's international level, I think you've got to manage him a little bit more carefully than what Backer did. I mean, just just to, just to say about the, um, you know, we're saying we, we looked okay defensively. I mean, this is uh, obviously controversial, um, but and and Luke did he had a, he had a fantastic game in the second half. He pulled off an mm-hmm. absolute wonder double save. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw it, but yeah, um, but yeah, the, this this amazing double save he pulled off was was out of this world. But it's unfortunate that you do have to you do have to look at him for for the two Iceland equal, equalising goals, the first one and equally the second one, you have to you have to look at look at and say, you know, should you be doing better there? So I give it I gave a second one to I mean, didn't I think Sauli of Iceland ducked out of the cross for the second one. And there's a the problem with five men at the back and defending for forty five minutes is that as it, as time goes on they get closer and closer to the six-yard line and then inside the six-yard box. And the problem Luke has got for the equaliser is he's got to come out and jump over Weizen and to catch the cross, right? Which is something he doesn't want to do because he wants to, like, he needs his centre-back to be confident and to have that sort of trust that if it's in his area, the centre-back takes care of it. And I just think, I mean, maybe you, it's, it's, I think it's, it's, it's a breakdown in communication between the two because it's sort of, it's right there, but you need somebody to take, take control of it. Luke didn't come and get it. Weizen ducked out of the cross and it was a two yard tap in for, for, for Kolbein Sigborsen. Yeah. Good pronunciation. What about the, the one player that was missing? I think we'll come back to this thing about Lucas Radetzky in the, in the next game as well, perhaps. Um, but what about the player that was missing? This was a, a kind of last-minute omission from the team of uh, Eremenko not not starting and now being banned from football for a month. Anyone got any um, any update on that? Well, the the latest is uh, UEFA have opened a, a disciplinary case. Um, but the latest that's come from his club, Seska Moscow, today is that he's not even allowed to train. train. He's he's virtually you know off the books he's not allowed any football activity um there's a few bit of speculation in russian media that you know this isn't just a 30 day interim hmm. drug you know issue about a drugs test they reckon there's something more serious going on um, has he been using the same lip gloss as the norwegian skiers is that what's going on? <laughs> well he's got asthma he's just got asthma his asthma's playing yeah. out there but um i mean the, the speculation is just that it's serious and you know in the past you know with say there there were comparisons with Sacco of Liverpool when he failed you know there were some issues there and it turned out he hadn't actually failed the test it was just some discrepancies but you know to actually be banned you know and and UEFA aren't exactly quick at this you know they've given it a month it's already been two weeks they've not even hinted at what it could be um to be honest, I, I do wonder if it's going to be something more serious. Either it is, you know, pucker performance enhancing drug stuff or there's something else. I know there's some issues about his transfer, but I, I wouldn't see why he'd be held to account for that in the way that Emmanuel Ibui was when PK35 were looking to sign him. <laughs> it would be ironic after Eremenko's performance in the previous international if he was banned for performance enhancing drugs. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, you know, people talk about it all the time. You know, football isn't a, it's not a hundred meter dash, you know, a performance enhancing drug. It doesn't make your brain go any quicker. It doesn't make the rest of your team on the same wavelength. So, you know, unless it's something to do with improving a recovery or something like that, but, you know, to, to make it a pucker, you know, the sort of band that Luis Suarez had for biting, you know, 
albeit not the same length yet. But this is, you know, this is what they dish out for serious offences. And, you know, I, I know it's Moscow and everything, but, you know, they're not going to say too much. But this is UEFA. They've had two weeks to, they've not even made a statement other than the fact that they are investigating something. Mark, you said that my comment before was uh, harsh, but I do remember Aramenko having a not particularly good game in the previous international. And I don't know, it didn't seem like he was missed from this game, uh, the way that the, the, the forwards were, were all connecting up there. So, I mean, against Croatia, he doesn't... I mean, the, I think the problem with, with Yaromenko is, is that he, he doesn't really fit in a 5-3-2 um, with the way that we work it, like he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't track back enough for one of the midfield three, and he doesn't attack enough to be one of the two up front. He's not, he's not fit enough to be one of the one of the like uh, wing backs. So it's it's to sort of shoehorn him into that kind of system. We, we're always going to look better without him. So it's understandable, but 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 it's a bit odd. Roma's case is a bit odd because if he'd have fa- like if he'd have failed the drug test, he'd be banned for drugs now. They wouldn't need a 30-day investigation period. So if he'd failed both of his A and B samples, regardless of what the like justification was, he'd have been banned. Which means that he's probably either got an inconclusive sample or he's failed one sample and he's missed a test, like a follow-up test or a pre, like a preceding test. So it's like like Rich said, it, it doesn't all 100% add up. Because it, can, it looks like it's going to be something really serious. But if it was super serious, he'd already be in the dock. Um. Yeah. So I guess it's just just a case of wait and see. But but the timing matches with his is the when UEFA would have run a drug test after the Bayer Leverkusen game. So it's kind of the most likely um, cause right now. It explains his haircut anyway. Okay. So let's let's <laughs> draw a line under. Let's draw a line under the uh, the Iceland game and move on to Croatia. So this was at home. Mark, you you made the journey up to. Tampere. Yes. Um, after the exciting attacking play of the of the game in Iceland, surely we built on that, uh, built a similar side, and uh, and really went for it against Croatia. No. No, I think we we picked seven defenders. I mean, so you know, it's a, it's it's a str- it's a strange one when um, because we were <laughs> we were walking around Tampere trying to find a we, we were in a bar and then they were it was Sunday Sunday hours so they were closing and then we we found a bar that was next to the hotel so we were there when the um, Croatia players were, were getting on the bus and they honestly looked like they'd rather be anywhere else in the in the world than in like in a dodgy dodgy hotel in a like a sort of cloudy rainy tampere on a on a sunday evening um but no but but we, when the squad came out it was seven seven defenders and i mean i suppose that the this the, the like the setup was a kind of five four one and i think what was in back his mind was that in the round before we'd lost in the 90th minute or 96 minute um goal and at the same time Croatia had gone to Kosovo and smashed them 6-0. So Mandzukic and the guys were kind of hot to trot. And I think what Baka was just trying to avoid was sort of, uh, I think he knew that a kind of a humiliation would be the end of him. Like if we'd have lost 3 or 4-0 to Croatia, he, he wouldn't have been able to survive it. And as it stands, it's a, it's a, it's a, it was a really, really strange game because it, it was honestly, it was like a trainer match. For for about seventy five minutes, in that in that we just we had so many defenders on the on the pitch, and Croatia had such a free reign to pass the to shift the ball about, and then they got the goal because of an, another Hrdetsky mistake. Uh, it was it, it just sort of like it was a it was a, it was bizarre, an absolutely bizarre experience because. We we turned up and, and literally didn't didn't compete at all, and we just we just sort of seemed like. One nil, yeah, we'll take that. And you think, like we were talking in the, in the so in, in the in the pubs before the game, we were all pretty pessimistic, but we did at least sort of like you know sharing war stories from from Germany games or, or, or Sweden trips, and we were saying it can't be. I think the worst the worst the worst sort of living memory trip was was the, when we went to Sweden and we got done five nil. We went to Stockholm and we were on the boat and on the it's a long boat wait it's a long boat trip back from Stockholm after getting beat five nil 
And it, that that one, and then the the Russia game when we lost three nil at home, they were the sort of two standout, pretty bad performances. And we were thinking nothing could really be as bad as that. And then after the ga- after the game, when we got back to the to to sort of pick it apart, we just said this this is this is far worse than any of those because we didn't try. Like we got done in Sweden. 5-0 because we had the wrong tactics and the wrong players but we did try to create chances and we did try to take on our opponents and in this case honestly we just set up with with 5-4-1 isn't optimistic it was like 9-1 Spooky on the halfway line on his own and then 9 guys back behind the ball just just trying to make a, a, a physical wall to stop to stop Croatia building the play and it, it was just really sort of disheartening and sad. Do you think? Um, do you think, Mark, that it was um, damage limitation from the outset, or was were, were we close to securing a nil-nil? I mean, I was uh, I was nodding off on a Iceland air trip back to Gatwick <laughs> at that point, so. Um, yeah, so uh, we conceded in, in about 20, 20 minutes, something like eighteen minutes, something like that. So when you when you when you start five four one and you concede on twenty minutes, Croatia af- after that they just took the foot off the pedal. You know what I mean? They kept the ball, they knocked it around the back, they pinged a couple of balls through sort of midfield, and they had every now and again like one of the, I think it was um, Mandzukic had a couple of chances. And uh, Korluka, <laughs> at one point, ran about sixty yards uh, through the through the pitch. But they didn't really they didn't really commit men forward because they already had the they they had three points and they 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 knew that they were going they were they were pretty solid on it. And uh, you would expect so twenty minutes we concede, Croatia sit back. It, it should take you five ten minutes to make a decision to say okay let's let's put more men forward let's change the system let's change the style, and we didn't. We got to halftime didn't make a change. We got towards the hour, didn't make a change. We had a couple of free kicks from about 40, 50 yards out, pinged them into the box, didn't really get any change. Barayuri every now and again won a header. Nobody else was on the knockdowns. And uh, it was dealt with really well, or really easily by, by Croatia. And it wasn't until about 65, 70 minutes that uh, Robin Lud went up front with Puki. And even that... Lerd had been running around for seventy minutes, chasing chasing shadows, and so he was knacked. Puki was knacked because he'd been he'd been trying to close down an entire two thirds of the pitch on his own for for more than an hour. So he was knacked, um, and there wasn't any. There was still no build up play. There was still nobody getting anywhere near to support them. And we had Nicholas Moisander in, in the middle of the pitch, just looking like a centre back, a guy who's been playing centre back for fifteen years in the middle of the pitch. Yeah, he managed to get himself booked and banned from the next game. And uh, and when that happened, I just sat there thinking to myself and wondering what I had to do to be able to miss the next game as well. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> how, can I, how can I get banned? It, it, I mean, it's going <laughs> to... I mean, this, but this is the, I mean, this is the classic thing, right? Because now we've got to go to Ukraine. Did you think Ukraine... They're, they're about as tough as Iceland. So do you think we're going to go there and play 5-3-2 and try and nick a goal early and then sit back? Or do you think we're going to go there and stuff seven defenders on the pitch and try and get a nil-nil? And neither of those two things are, are a particularly good option. And it, if I think about, you know, we went to Holland and we got beat 2-1, four-cell scored from a corner. And you know, we went to Germany Drew one one back in the day. Like we we went to Poland and won three nil. We like this at no point in our in the last twenty thirty years have we been in a situation where we we put so little faith in the players that we don't go and play football. So this is it's genuinely a first. Even Mix, I mean, this is I mean, I I can't believe myself saying this, but even Mixu when he went to to Northern Ireland and to Hungary. It was pretty terrible, but at least it was combative. You know, it was it Spain. wasn't it was hardly ever going to work. Spain, yeah, Spain worked. Gijón worked. I mean, it wasn't a Christmas tree. That was that was actual football. Probably the last time Mixu played actual football. But even the sort of dark days of Mixu, you look and think, "Wow, I never ever thought this could happen." <laughs> uh, do you know? I I started. I, I I really didn't enjoy this international break. I I watched. Finland on Thursday, 
England on Saturday, Finland on Sunday, England on Tuesday. And it was dreadful. It was horrible. You've got you've got one team, England, who are supposedly one of these big teams. They mostly in the qualifying play against smaller teams that, that pretty much just defend. Pretty much. Mm. Uh, you know, Slovenia less so. But anyway, they just defend and England aren't good enough to break them down. So you watch an hour and a half of this huffing and puffing and sideways football and nothing really comes of it. And then you go to the other end where you're you're supporting Finland and willing them on. And they're one of these teams that just sits back and defends and waits for another team to huff and puff against them. And it's horrible. And I'm, I almost lost, lost the will to live. And I'm seriously considering not bothering <laughs> with the the next round of England games because they've been doing it to me for much, much longer. <laughs> and the only, the only thing keeping me going is the fact that I might be able to uh, sit and, you know, find somewhere to watch the England-Scotland game with my with my girlfriend and and just watch this battle on the field. It'll be like ice hockey without the, without the protective gear. And <laughs> it won't be good football. I mean, even that we're not a, we're not Finland aren't a competitive team. So even like even in, by that standard, they don't. There's not like we dived when we were in in uh, Iceland and we wasted time, and we didn't like we don't lunge into check tackles. Arayuri is is good value. They, although, I mean, if you think about it, so you've got seven defenders on the pitch, and then it was what ring. Oh, I cannot understand how he continues to play for Finland. Lerd, who is brilliant, then Boki, who who has been finding form, but was you know just left with with an entire pitch to attack on his own. And in that sort of setting, those guys on the pitch did well. So those players actually played well. They 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 ran well. They kept their position well. They uh, they passed as much as they could in their own half very well, and they kept Croatia at arm's length. So the defensive job they were supposed to do, they did relatively well under very little pressure, it has to be said, because it was kind of like a training match. So you can't, in a way, you can't fault the players because if you look at like, so so Puki's up on his own, right? So he's he's our, he's our only striker with seven defenders on the pitch, which means that Hrodeski picks up the ball and bowls it out to him and he's about 10 yards inside his own half and he looks up and he's got 60 yards to goal and he's got four defenders in front of him. Lionel Messi couldn't do that. You couldn't get you couldn't give that pass to Messi or Ronaldo and expect them to go and to go and turn over the game. So it's you know it's 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 mind-boggling that that, that, that anybody could ha- like Scotland got loads of crap for four six zero. You remember when they did they stayed, they were the, the first team at international level to to not play a striker. I cannot believe that that Hans Backer is not being posted all over places like four four two and football three six five as the sort of the devil incarnate of football tactics because it was honestly just stupid. <laughs> um, Sorry. And and then so and I, I mean a few attacking players came on towards the end of the game, and uh, and the man of the moment I guess Robe Risky who you you know you've got a bit love, of a soft spot. Yeah, Mark. I love, yes. Um, and he's and he's banging he is banging the goals in in the Bakehouse Liga, and he gets five minutes in a game that. You know, as you say, the the other players are worn out from having chased around, and I don't know. He got a couple of touches of the ball, but never in an opportunity to to make a difference. He got four minutes, and uh, he was enough of a nuisance to sort of squeeze the ball through to Puki in about the ninety second or third minute, so our last our last absolute absolute attack. But then Puki put his foot in the wrong place, and then the referee gave a free kick. And that was as close as we got. <laughs> that was as close as we got to, to 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 score. And I mean, we didn't have a shot on target against Croatia. We didn't have a shot off target against Croatia. There was a couple of headers that got blocked, um, but there was literally no attempts at goal. And you just think, you know, it's. It, it, and then Alaya comes out yesterday and says, "Yeah, yeah, it's all fine." His an, his, analytic, his analytical technique is is amazing. Mark, how, how was the atmosphere in Tampere? I mean, did um, did any of the fans give give Bakker or ILO any any pelters? Yeah. I mean, we had in 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 Reykjavik, we had a sort of ten minute burst of ILO Ulos, you know what I mean? And so I mean, and, um, and Genghis Khan. How have we not yeah. covered Genghis oh, Khan? That was, that was fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> that was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> so. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, 
Alayulos was there and 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 uh, Bakke Ulos, Lisa Dulos, all all of the all all of the usual chants. But I mean, so the, uh, Paul Joyce was there in about I reckon about half the size it would usually be in the Olympic Stadium, and then uh, there was a fairly significant Croatia population dotted around the ground, a couple of flags and a couple of pockets, and um, it was just the, the worst thing about. I mean, in the stands. Because of the setup, it was, it was we were sort of angry and and uh, and fired up until Hrdetsky's mistake, and then it was just genuinely apathetic because there wasn't enough action to get the crowd going in like in either direction. Because Croatia just, they, I mean, honestly, I've like it's the look you recognize. It's it's you know Wednesday night, cold Wednesday night football. You know what I mean? It's the, it's the game you don't want to play, and you just sort of. Short passes, short interplay, back to the keeper. Not like nobody wanted the ball on the Croatia side after they went a goal up. There was no, honestly, no. They they would have been there for the taking if we'd have tried to attack them because nobody was interested at all. But uh, but yeah, I mean the crowd, good cheered, you know, good support, pretty noisy. The Ratina doesn't have any kind of roof, so uh, so the noise sort of just sort of dissipates out. Um, I drove past it the other day, Mark. It doesn't really have any walls either. No, it's a, um, it's a classic. It's one of those classic Soviet stadiums. I think it's from the fifties or sixties. I mean, it's I mean, it was it's kind of cool, but they just there was in the pub afterwards. We got we only you only sort of it's sort of you got angry when you think about the fact that we just didn't sort of compete. But when you're in the game and you're trying to focus, you try to sort of support the guys, and um, you know. Help try and help them do the best. I mean, and I think I, was, I think the players definitely need our support. The players and the yeah. team need our support. I think we're all unanimous in that. And yeah. you know, the the guys from Boyoscare, they I think they're unanimous with that as well. You know, yeah. otherwise they would they wouldn't keep going, would they? You know, but everybody everybody is also unanimous in the fact that these these two idiots have, have got to go. They've got yeah. to go. So I mean, the. Do we have any answers? Are there any answers, uh, managerial-wise or or, or Palolito chairman-wise? You know this, or do Big we Sam. just do we just keep rolling along? Yeah, well, <laughs> we've, been over, <laughs> we've been over that one, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I mean, under 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 uh, Rive last year, uh, in the in the last campaign, four games, two draws, two wins. It wasn't sexy football, but it was combative. You know, it was built around uh, Arayuri at the back, Pohyan Palo and Puki up front. We got results. I mean, I know, I know it was the wins we got were against Greece and the Faroe Islands, so it wasn't against top top draw opponents. But by the same token, we were a part of the game. We weren't trying anything anything stupid. Everybody knew what their job was, and everybody was committed to tackles. Everybody was committed to uh, to the plan. So for me, I just think you know. Yeah, bring Rive back. Put 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 Rive back in charge at least at least for now. And then uh, there's there's a, I mean there's a ton of managers that are out there and available that you think, you know, I mean it depends it depends what you want. I mean I know the the Palolito, I mean there was another story out uh, late last week about how much the Olympic Stadium reverberation is actually going to cost, which is about two hundred million more than the two hundred million they got quoted. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> yeah, shock, exactly, shock horror. Um, but I mean, I I don't I. There's no I, if I mean, if you look at Hans Backe in his career, he's just not somebody you'd believe in. No. You give him a chance, you give him the, the opportunity to do something, and I mean, actually, Hradetsky again. So Hradetsky, after the after the game, faced up, man, manned up, and uh, went to the cam- went in front of the cameras and gave an interview after he screwed up, cost us the goal, that cost us the game. And uh, they talked about it and all the other stuff. And then the last question that the guys asked was, so what do you think about, like, um, you know, you, a, a, a lot of the times in the game, you threw the ball long to, to, to Puki. Uh, what, do you, what did you think about, our like, a Finland's attacking game? And he just looked at the camera and went, you'll have to ask Bakke. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like, and exactly. So, I mean, the, the players, they're not with him. You know what I mean? The only, the literally, the only guy on the planet that thinks Hans Backe is a good manager is pretty bloody Alaya. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe we should start to wrap up. We've been going nearly an hour. We've still got some people 
watching us live, which is great. Thanks to those that are still out there watching, um, and those that are listening on the on the podcast. Thanks again for for downloading that. Um, the next episode, live recording episode, will be in two weeks' time. Uh, we'll look back at the the final few Vegas Liga games in a bit more detail than we've touched on tonight, and I guess celebrate the champions, um, whether that be first time champions, old old time champions, or uh, returning, you know, uh, reigning champions, winning it again. It's it's all open. There's three three teams still in it, still within with a chance of winning, and uh, and it's it's exciting. So, in the in the meantime, you can um, you can find Mark's uh, fan page uh, fcsuomi.com. You've got Rich's uh, website escapedsuomi.com, and there's the explorefinlandradioshow.com website where you'll find where you find my stuff. Um, Keke, anywhere you want to plug this week? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, if you want to read my uh, my previous blog posts, they're at kekemuluri.wordpress.com, and um, look out for the next edition of Stan Fanzine because I've got a, a little piece coming out in there too. And we'll put some links also in the um, in the show notes for this. They they get published on the uh, uh, Explore Finland podcast um, website, and you'll you'll find uh, all the link, any links, and also details of what we've been talking about today on there. On, I guess on. also you. C- Hang on, sorry, Mark. So the next time we record, this will be after the Vegas Liga season's done. It will be. Right. So, who's going to win the Vegas Liga? Mariham. I think Mariham. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Esiko. Mariham. I, I know. I know who. What? Yeah, I know who I want, but I think that that they're they're playing well. They just beat Lati, who we didn't beat last week. Um, they're playing Ilves, who have still got. You know, they they've had a great season. They have still got something to fight for, but they have just lost to Hoyiko. So I guess. Form suggests it should be Mariaham, but I'll be um, I'll be cheering my boys for sure. Okay, who's going down? It I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Vanta. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, I reckon Hifki will drop into the playoffs. Okay, interesting. It's all to it's I'm all going to Kemi. play for. I'm going Kemi. So we're very divided there. Inter. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just to complete this set. <laughs> what I'll do, I'll I'll put these predictions in the in the show notes and we'll we'll review them in the next in the next episode and see even now, so close to the end of the season, not not easy to predict exactly what's gonna happen. We can be like those uh, was it Oh Lusanama at the start of the season reckoned that Ilves and Mariham would be the teams that would go down. So. <laughs> I think our predictions were probably a bit about as close <laughs> as that as well, to be honest. A bit better. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I guess we, we're now now that we're live on on YouTube. The, there's the YouTube channel. It, it's in my name, so if you search for for Mark Wiltshire or or search for Finnish Football Show, you'll you should find it on there and uh, subscribe to the channel. And I guess you'll be updated whenever we've got new stuff coming on there. And um, until the next episode of Finnish Football Show, now it's time to say goodbye. Goodbye, KK. Kitos, kitos. Goodbye, goodbye. Bye, bye, Mark. Tuck, tuck. Hey, bye. And bye, Rich. Bye. See you again soon.
vuoksi tehty mies silmälle. Ja mä katsoin, mä katsoin pitkään. Ei oo voinu aloittaa, mä vaan tuijotin, 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 tuijotin ja tuijotin. Mä olin vähän niinku kersakarkkikaupassa. Mä olin vähän niinku nallehunajapurkilla. En mä tiedä, se oli tosi sekasta. Mä tiesin mitä mä haluun. Sir.